what does the average week look like for you? Sure, it may start with church on a Sunday morning, but by Monday morning, can any of us remember what the sermon was about? We spend so much of our lives doing so many things, transporting our kids around, spending too many hours in the office, trying to find time to spend with our spouse. But most of what we do related to our faith is crammed into about 80 minutes on a Sunday morning. Did you know that in a week, there are 10,080 minutes? If we're spending 80 of those related to our faith, what are we doing with the other 10,000? That's what this podcast is all about. Hello, everybody. We are back with Season 2. I am Sawyer Trapp, Youth Ministry Pastor of Stapleton Church, and I'm joined, as always, with our lead pastor, Matt Wolf. How's it going, Matt? It's good. It's good to be back. A lot of new changes out there in the world. I'm officially a dad. That was officially our break. So I have a beautiful baby girl. She's a month and about a week old. So it's a very exciting time. And uh, you also have your... Yeah, some news. I don't know. I guess maybe people listening to the podcast haven't heard. Maybe. Yeah. So yeah, my wife Melissa is expecting twins. So we have two babies coming sometime between now and December 14th. <laughs> And, and hopefully closer to that date. Yeah. But yeah, a boy and a girl. Very exciting. Yeah. It is. So we are back with the 10,000 podcast where it is our aim and our goal and our focus every single week to put God into your 10,000 minutes, the everyday parts of life, the day-to-day, the routine. And that's why we're here. That's right. And through this season, what we're going to do is kind of focus on going deeper into our lives from what we're learning in our Sunday morning messages. So we recommend listening to the Sunday morning message before listening to this podcast. But even if you don't, you're still going to get a lot of great application Mm -hmm. for your life. Taking God's truth and applying it. Because we don't want to just be hearers, we want to be doers, as Jesus' brother James would say, right? That's right. And we're still going to be answering questions that people have. So if you have a question about faith, about the Bible, about a message, about anything, um, about Sawyer's daughter... Yeah, sure. I'd love to hear questions about Lucy. <laughs> but anyway, you can send yeah. you can send all those to me. Uh, my email is strapp, T-R-A-P-P, two P's, at staplesinchurch.com. I'd love to answer your questions on the podcast of this season. Yep, and we got one question, and it was kind of complicated, so I'm, I kind of summarized it and simplified it a little bit. But it was about a woman, and actually a woman who had served in the medical profession and been around a lot of people who had died. Hmm. So was asking some questions about that because recently she was with someone who was dying. And in that process of death, it can be kind of confusing what's going on. Is the person still alive? They're kind of in a vegetative state Hmm. sometimes. Maybe they're sometimes aware for a little while. Their eyes open. You wonder, can they hear me or not? But basically the question was, in that process, what's going on? Has the soul left the body? Hmm. Has the soul left the body? Where so, is the soul? Where is the soul? Yeah. Like in that vegetative process? or Yeah, and I think it was just a, kind of a question about that in general. Where is the soul? What's going on? If a person is still physically alive, but mentally they're not there, hmm. what's going on? Are they dead? Are they in heaven at that point? What, what's going on? It's a good question. It is a good question. So, Sawyer, have you ever been with someone when they were dying? No. And it's interesting because, like, when I was in high school, we had to make bucket lists. And on my bucket list is to 
be there when somebody when somebody dies. Okay, that's an interesting book. Because I just I just think it's like interesting to see to like understand death in that way. I haven't checked that off the bucket list yet. Okay, that's you got a weird bucket list where I'm well, that's eager the, to hear some of the other things on there. Maybe we'll talk about more of them as they present I'm themselves. Be there when someone dies. Not in that way. <laughs> I know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Not like I'm gonna kill someone. But <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't. I mean I was um, my grandfather had Alzheimer's, and so yeah. I kind of saw that long, slow mm, decline yes. of can be the toughest. Yeah, of seeing him um, from this, you know, rambunctious, vibrant man into this, you know, almost ghost of himself. So I saw that happen, sure. and that was definitely difficult for me and for my family. But I think this question is a little different from that. Yeah, I think so too. I I've been there a few different times, yeah. and one that was like very clear about you know she had been talking, moving, you know, an hour before, and while I was there on a visit, mm-hmm. um, she did pass away, and it was very clear from one moment to the next what had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, yeah, sometimes it drags on, sometimes you don't know, and then yeah. families have to make those tough decisions. Mm-hmm. That maybe be a whole nother question. Yeah, about definitely. How do you make those decisions? <laughs> yeah. but whew, that's a tough one. But what we're talking about is the soul. What is going on there? So. What is Sawyer? You know, right? I think so. I mean, I would say, so having a soul is a fundamental part of who we are as people. Yep. So if we are still human, Mm -hmm. if we are still alive, then our soul is conjoined with the body. Okay. That would be an overall answer that I would say. So whenever death does happen is the point Mm -hmm. where something were to change, it would happen. However, somebody is still a person, they're still a human, independent of their cognitive state, to be really, like, (laughs) intellectual. But, like, a person is still a person, even if they can't talk, even if they can't move, Mm -hmm. even if they can't, you know, think in the sense of, you know, making decisions and stuff like that. They don't cease to be a person, and so I would say they don't cease to have a soul as well. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. All life is life. Yeah. We're as pro-life as it comes, you know, <laughs> because life is life, mm-hmm. and that makes uh, every soul valuable, mm-hmm. no matter who they are, what they can think even, right. um, no matter what their intellectual capacity or their physical capacity. We mm-hmm. view every human as created in the image of God. Yeah. And that's so core to what the Bible teaches us. It does get tricky when you're talking about someone yeah. who has died <laughs> Or in the dying process, mm-hmm. because it does seem sometimes like, well, you know, they went into a coma, they don't wake up. Recently, I did a funeral for a woman who uh, went under for a surgery and never woke up. Mm-hmm. Even though they revived her, even though they got her heart beating again, she never again regained consciousness. Right. So what is going on in that state? It seems like the physical body is alive, but what's going on with the person? Well, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So doctors don't even know. Well, yeah, it's true as well. So if they don't. Yeah, and there's also the the stories about near-death experiences. Mm-hmm. NDE, I read a really interesting book by a, a doctor about that mm. who himself experienced a near-death experience and then studied a bunch of other near-death experiences because sometimes near-death means they actually died. Yeah. They were pronounced dead and then minutes later revived or came back to life. 
what the heck happens there. Or sometimes it seems to happen, but it didn't really happen. Or mm-hmm. they revive the person for a few minutes and they do regain consciousness, but then die again. Mm-hmm. Man, it's complicated. Yeah. And I think we don't know. Mm-hmm. And I would just take a very humble approach there. And like, <laughs> let's not say definitively this person is dead or not definitively say they're not dead. Mm-hmm. It's unclear. Right. And I think that's why we've got to leave those things to God. However, the question about what happens to your soul at death is a little bit more answerable based on biblical evidence. Yes. Um, because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's right. I'm pretty sure that's somewhere in Scripture, right? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's in Scripture. And in fact, when you know Jesus was with the man dying with him next to him on the cross, mm-hmm. Jesus said to that man, today you will be with me in paradise. Right. So both Jesus and this other man would in that day be in paradise. Right. So we know that when the soul does leave the body, whenever that is, Mm -hmm. whether it's while the body's still breaking down or actually has broken down, Mm -hmm. who knows when, you know, then the soul immediately goes to paradise if that person is a believer in Jesus Christ. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's super important is that, yeah. We want to be definitive on what we can say. So yes. if, if somebody is a believer in Jesus Christ, when they die, when their soul leaves the body, they're going to be immediately in the presence of God. Yeah, and as, as Paul says that in Philippians 1, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Yeah. And also he says it's better by far. Yeah. It's better by far. So it's actually going to be a better place than where we are now. It's not like downgrading. No. Now, it gets a little more complicated because a lot of people confuse the idea of heaven and the new heaven. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you don't even think about that. I most mean, I people don't. Most people say, well, I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. And actually, you're not. That's true. That's <laughs> And then like, wait a second. Yeah. No. What do you mean? But uh, the, the book of Revelation, it promises that at the final judgment, after that's all over, mm-hmm. there's going to be a brand new heaven and a yep. new earth. Yep. And we will live with other people mm-hmm. in the presence of God. In the new heaven and the new earth. And yeah. then our final eternal presence, reality, is going to be in that, not in heaven. Right. Because that new heaven will come down to the new earth. Right. And they will be made as one. Mm-hmm. So instead of having a, two separate locations or spheres or whatever you want to call them, they'll be one. Right. Um, so what we typically talk about with heaven is talking about that intermediate state. Mm-hmm. That what Jesus calls paradise... Um, to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. So Jesus is there. It's paradise. Paradise is a pretty good word, I yeah. think. You yeah. Know, it's going to be an amazing place. But we actually don't know much about it. Not much is spent talking about that. Most no. of what the scriptures talk about is that new heaven and new earth at the end of time, mm-hmm. which will go on forever and ever and ever with our new bodies. Yeah. Now, do you think we're going to have a new body in paradise? I don't know. I don't know either. I I like I think think that God is effective with what He creates, right? Sure. So if He's going to create new bodies for everybody that goes to paradise, and then another new I don't know, just speculating, but yeah, we don't really have a good answer on that. Yeah, if, are we going to be floating souls? What is that going to look like? Are we going to be these spirits that float around? We're not really told at all. We know mm-hmm. that it's in the presence of God. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be paradise. No more. Anything, yeah, bad. no more tears, no, no more, more pain, pain. yeah, and, but we won't give in those new bodies until the end, right? Um, there's a great book on this subject called Heaven, 
Very simple. Heaven <laughs> by Randy Alcorn. I highly recommend the book. Mm-hmm. He looks at scriptural evidence, but what he does is takes that and says, we're not told all the details, but let's use our imaginations and our cognitive abilities yeah. that we have to think through these critically about what this could mean for what the future state is like, future states. Yeah. You know, so I, I find that. I think he says, well, we might have bodies, mm-hmm. some sort of bodies in this but I mean it's kind of left up to our speculation based on what scripture does say right right so that's that question um, we wish we could be more helpful but you're <laughs> maybe going to have to take it up with the big man on that question um, but if you do have other questions hopefully there's some that we can provide the yeah. answer or speculation to at the very minimum so we are going to jump then into expanding on the message from Sunday mm-hmm. if you haven't checked out that message Matt wouldn't say this because he preached it, but I would highly recommend it. Um, I think it was a really great introduction to our new series, Belong, looking at how we're more connected than ever, but at the same time, we've never felt more alone. Like, how can both of those realities be true? And if it is true, what do we do about it? Yeah, I spent a lot of the message, and I called that message, Look Up. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I spend a lot of that message talking about the modern state that we're in, that yeah. we've never been more connected yet, we've never felt more alone, that we have these technological devices, phones with them, with us everywhere we go, so we've never been more connected with mm-hmm. the 8 billion people on the planet, <laughs> and yet we feel more lonely now than ever before. Right. And those are bizarre things, so you should listen to that so you can get some of those statistics. But what we want to do right now is just get more practical. Mm-hmm. Get more practical. So I gave a big idea. Do you remember what it was, Sawyer? Find the father and his family. That's right. Okay. Nice. Oof. <laughs> High pressure situation. You, that's I right. Feel a little better. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. So, um, yeah, and that's why we have those big ideas. Hopefully, you can remember it. Find the father and his family. So this was the the point that we do have this existential moment where we're so connected. Yeah, we still feel alone. Our phones actually can kind of hamper our relationships mm-hmm. with people, even though we can connect with them even easier. So how do we deal with it? Well, we need to find the father. Our Father in Heaven, who loves us, cares about us. From Psalm 68, we learn that he's a father to the fatherless, Mm -hmm. that he sets lonely people and families. He doesn't want to leave you in that lonely state. He wants you to have a father who loves you, and he wants you to have a family. Yeah. And that's so important for us to do. So let's talk some application from that. Let's do it. Practically speaking, what can we do, especially when it comes to these technological devices, our phones that are controlling our lives? (laughs) Yeah, I, I think you gave a lot of good application in the sermon, but I think one of the things that has been most valuable is maybe just evaluating where you're at. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard to see because we use our phones so often, like, how much we're actually using. Yeah. <laughs> so there's these cool uh, programs, either if you have an Android or an iPhone, either called um, Digital Wellbeing, if you're on Android, or um, Screen Time, if you have yep. an iPhone. And they will actually tell you how often you use your phone. And we bravely looked at what our uh, screen times were telling us today. I was a little afraid to admit it, but we were looking, and um, I I, I barely beat out Sawyer this week with just under, I don't know, I guess you're going for like a golf score, right? Less is more. Yeah, you want to have a lower score. Just under three hours a day, which seems insane. Yeah, I was at three and a half. (laughs) <laughs> but it makes me feel better, maybe, or worse. I don't know. Like, we we went through this with our students. We did a, kind of a similar series to this. Yeah. Some of our teenagers, six, seven hours. Really? Yes. 
Okay, wow. I shouldn't say that because I'm sure I've had days like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, sure, we all have. But and, I mean, I use my phone to read even, mm. so it's like I, I'm reading a book, but it's on my phone. Right. Yeah, so it's not all bad. It's not like listening to a podcast, you know, it's, yeah. it's going on the whole time. This screen time doesn't count. It's okay. If you're listening to this podcast, no. But, <laughs> no, but I think getting a good starting point of saying, yes. maybe just realizing, man, I wasn't aware I was using my phone that much, or... Should I really be spending all this time checking Instagram? Yeah, it'll tell you. It'll yeah. break down per app. Per app, how many hours you're using it each week. Yeah. Like, is that the most valuable thing that we can do and be doing with our time? Or, yeah. I would argue, and I think your sermon argued, that if we actually, like, look up from our phone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's more to see out in the world, more relationships to have, more connections to have. Um, more of a relationship with God to have. Maybe we can yeah. put the phone aside. Yeah, and that was kind of the first application was to look up from your phone to, to God first. Mm-hmm. Because instead of picking up your phone and getting stressed from email, mm. feeling jealous or angry or whatever you with that social media. FOMO. Yeah, you familiar FOMO, with that? Fear of missing, yeah. Yes, yeah. Fear of missing out. All my friends are doing this fun thing. Oh, I missed the concert last night and feeling yeah. bad about mm-hmm. yourself. Or looking at the news and just feeling angry yeah. at whatever's going on. Yeah. What have you started first by looking up to God? Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we yeah. spend more time with God? Yes. Well, help me out, Slayer. <laughs> it's hard. It is hard, right? Because I feel like we have a, we can easily make a lot of excuses, right? Yeah. We don't have enough time. We've maybe tried it a couple of times and said, I can't do that. Yeah. I've failed or I'm distracted. Yep. So I think we got to really be intentional about setting that time aside. Yes. So maybe going to sleep a little bit earlier, putting that phone down, turning the TV off, mm-hmm. spending five more minutes sleeping earlier. You wake up 10 minutes earlier in the morning and just dedicate those first 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever that looks like for you, in some prayer, reading the Bible, and just giving the day to God. Because I know for me that has been a super valuable practice of saying, yeah, starting off the morning, and your phone can actually help you with that. It can. I mean, I, for me, I try to use a Bible plan, do that all this sort of stuff. So that way, it doesn't even have to be me. My my technology is going to remind me that I need to spend time with God. Sure. Yeah, and, and that's a good thing to do. So yeah. if we're going to use those technologies, let's use them for good. Yeah. If you have your phone, like I do, on the nightstand next mm-hmm. to you when yeah. you're sleeping, yeah. like I won't open up any other apps until I open up the Bible app. And I have my reading plan. It pulls it up. Yeah. What my reading for that day, I have to mark it off. Now, one thing you can do with technology now is you can have accountability friends on there. Mm-hmm. You can either read a plan together or you can just let someone see it and they'll be able to see, did you read or not this morning? Yeah. And honestly, for me, I need the pressure of knowing other people <laughs> might know to do some things like that. It helps develop habits because habits are hard to make. Yeah. They say two weeks to a month. Okay. I've heard six weeks. Six weeks? Yeah. It keeps going more. It's a long time to develop a habit. Yeah. I mean... I guess you could probably do it in two weeks, but I guess everybody knows how long does it take to make a habit. For me, probably six weeks hmm. is then I know that it's already established. Yeah. But man, they're they're tough. But you just got to start out your day like that. This is your first thing is the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing you do is look at Scripture. If you want to get more into prayer, I have an app. Um, so I'm going to look it up so I can tell you what it's called. <laughs> it's called Echo. Okay. And it's a prayer app, and you can have it so that at 6.30 every morning, it sends you a notification, pray for this. 
And you can kind of set it rotating. So here, here's the 10 things I want to be praying for over the next month. It'll give you a reminder and saying every morning at the same time you're getting this reminder, okay, you need to pray for so-and-so. You need to pray for this th- situation that's going on with your family, this health issue that you're concerned about. You can pray for your pastor or your pastors. Hey, that'd be a good thing to be praying for once a week or even every day. You know, So an <laughs> app like that can send you the notification, the reminder, at the same time every day to do it. So I, I recommend using your technology for good and not just for evil. There you go. <laughs> and I would really encourage you, if, if you failed at this before, you have struggled to get that habit, that it's not something we do out of obligation. Right. It's not something we do to check a box Mm-mm. or just get our God points for the day. It's really being intentional about growing, about yeah. letting God work through your life, about doing what this podcast is meant to do, right. about bringing God into your 10,000. If you miss a couple days here and there, if the kid or the baby, as I know, is crying <laughs> and maybe you can't get your 10 minutes, try to do it later in the day, but not out of obligation yeah. or some sense of accomplishment, but just really allowing God into your life. Right. And that's so important. So if you've tried before and failed before, that's okay. Just get up and try again. That's right. Just try again tomorrow. Set your alarm right now. (laughs) Do not listen to anything more. Don't do anything else. Stop what you're doing. If you're riding your bike, just stop and set an alarm so that you will look up and spend time with God tomorrow morning. Yeah. There we go. I'll be there too. (laughs) God's presence. We'll we'll, all say hi. Yeah. So there's, there's so many things that we can use technology in a good way. But sometimes I think it's maybe even more valuable to just set the phone aside. It'll be okay. Yes. And I I love at the end of your message, you challenged all of us to, like, invite somebody to lunch after church. Or, you know, invite somebody for coffee this week and actually follow through to it. Yes. I I love it when a friend or I text a friend or somebody in my life and we just get together and we meet. No agenda. No obligations. Just checking in. How's your life going? Yes. Those relationships are so important. Yeah. Um even though it wasn't in, per- in person, but I called a bunch of my friends yesterday that I haven't seen for a while, a couple in Nebraska, mm. and I said, let's just talk. And we talked on the phone while I was driving to Lakewood. There you go. Um, just to maintain a relationship. I could just listen to a podcast the whole time. <laughs> you know, I'd say, oh, I was learning something, but I need those relationships. I know those connections. Right. Um, I even love that uh, someone in our church, Aaron Chan, when I, just early today, just showed up at our house because she had baked some gluten-free bread, and my wife, course doesn't eat gluten she has right. celiac and just had, had baked some bread and brought it over and came to say hi it was just a quick interaction but it was so nice and so refreshing refreshing and so rare let's be honest how many people just show up at your house and say hey i'm your friend and we love it that's great I mean, that's great. yeah maybe not everyone should show up all the time <laughs> But it's good to have friends that are like, hey, I'm going to show up and I'm going to spend time with you. Right. Because that's what matters, right? I mean, at the end of our life, we're not going to look back and see, you know, how many Instagram followers we had or (laughs) how many books we read on the Kindle, as important as that is, or whatever that is for you. Yep. Or how many, how your fantasy football team is doing, whatever that looks like. It's going to be the connections in our lives. Can I just be honest here for a second and be blunt? Nobody cares how your fantasy football team is doing. No one does. Your spouse doesn't, your mom doesn't, nobody wants to hear about it, even if you love it. Well, there you go. (laughs) But if you can find a friend who cares about it also, do it together. Do it together. There you go. Get together for the draft. Hang out together. Watch the game (laughs) together. And actually talk about real stuff and not just football. Yes. 
okay? Because we need real relationships. So this does mean in our technologically uh, connected age that we need to put aside the phone, put mm-hmm. it down. I would recommend, unlike Will Ferrell in the video that we showed on Sunday, yeah, don't have your phone at the dinner table. Yeah, that's a big one. Don't. Don't even bring it near it. Put it somewhere else. When Maybe uh, when you get home from work, you need to put your phone and charge it. There you like go. That should be your habit. You walk in the door and charge it so you don't touch it for the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. Here's another little trick that I do. <laughs> because I, I, like I self-confessed on Sunday, I am a technoholic. Yeah. I am. And I am tethered to my phone. And it's just this weird habit that you just pick it up. If you're bored, you pick it up. If you're not doing anything, you pick it up. And you look at something and scroll through something. There might not be anything going on in the world, and you're still going to scroll through the news feed. Right. It doesn't matter. I, I'm addicted. <laughs> so what um, we've done in our household is that I set, and it's an app, um, and you can find it through screen time if you have an iPhone, or in your settings, and what you can do is basically block your phone. Okay. Block yourself. Yeah. And it's called downtime on an iPhone. I don't know what it's called on an Android. I think they have something similar, but yeah. But yeah, and there's other apps I know mm-hmm. that you can do this. This one's just built into the iPhone. And I have a downtime so that from 5.45 when I get home to 9 p.m., I cannot use my phone. I mean, if there's a phone call I need to make, I can I can do it. So it allows calls. So if someone's calling yeah. me or texting, but none of the other apps I can access. Yeah. Nothing. And you have to type in a passcode in order to access it. So Melissa knows the passcode, and I don't even know it. There you go. I, I'm just saying, hey, I can't control myself. <laughs> I have someone help me. I'm fine with that. And guess what? It's really helped hmm. uh, the interaction we have as a family. Yeah. We're going on walks more. We're hanging out more. We're playing more. It's it's family time, not oops. I got distracted because uh, you know there was a moment of downtime. I picked up my phone, and 15 minutes later, I realized I haven't said a word to you. Right. Yeah. So I even need technology to help me do that. But we need to engage more. That's awesome. I think that's a great idea. I think it's a great idea to really not only trying trying day after day to be you know I'm not going to put use my phone right now, but actually being intentional and putting systems in place. Yes. That actually allow you to enjoy time together as a family, to be present with one another. To be present with one another. And in order to be fully present with people, we have to get rid of our phones. Yeah. I don't think there's any other way around it. So where are you distracted and where you need the relationships? Mm-hmm. Think about it. Is it at the dinner table? Is it hanging out with people? Um, if you're going over to a friend's house, maybe you leave your phone in the car. That's a novel idea. You know, <laughs> Leave it at home because you're out hanging out with people. Mm-hmm. You don't need it for that hour or two. Yeah. Guess what? The world is not going to end. Did you know, Sawyer, there was a day and age when you and I were alive where nobody had cell phones? I was pretty young. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. And everybody was fine. And we managed. <laughs> we lived. Now it's like you can't go anywhere without your no. phone. It's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And I think if we do do it, if we actually pursue that, then I think it's going to pay dividends in our relationships, yep. in our families. Yep. In our quality of life. Right. Because I don't know about you. When I look at a screen all day, when I'm disconnected from people, at the end of the day, I just feel, ugh. Like, I just feel tired. I feel lonely. Yep. I feel disjointed. Right. Um, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. And so if we can actually set the devices aside, put your phone down, look up, look up, I think our lives are going to be way better. Yeah. 
and I think our relationship with God is going to be way better. I, I think that's totally true. If we're ever going to get out of the loneliness and the isolation we feel, we've got to look up from our devices. That's right. Well, that was it for our episode uh, 10, I guess, that we've been doing this podcast, but the first episode of this season two, season two of 10,000, the podcast. Uh, if you guys like this, make sure you share it with your friends, rate it on whatever device you're using, and then put it down and go hang out with some real people. There you go. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.